welcome back. <laughs> because we decided, after turning off the microphone, that we had some things that we wanted to talk about in this very short chapter, whose episode took over an hour, that we didn't get to. Um, and one of the culprits was me. The, one of the chief things that I wanted to say in this episode, I never got around to because every time I thought of it, something interesting got thrown out and we got, we got taken off on a different discussion. So, listener, you're in for some bonus time here. Uh, the night is young and we, we've got way more <laughs> Harry Potter to talk about. One of the things that I wanted to bring up was in relation to the racial and ethnic inequality tropes that were used to um, frame Dobby's character in particular ways, because I noticed that throughout the chapter, those sorts of things show up in other places, in very subtle ways. Chiefly in jokes that the Dursleys want to tell, but have been interrupted in telling. Oh my gosh. So the first one is... The Japanese, Japanese golfer. Joke. Yeah, the Japanese golfer. Mm -hmm. The second one is the American plumber. Mm -hmm. Both jokes depend on the difference of other uh, nationalities or ethnic or cultural groups from the Dursleys in order to poke fun or get a punchline. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we have seen from the Dursleys in other ways, even in book one. That they are vigorously opposed to, sometimes violently, even if sort of jokingly, maybe, opposed to people who are different from mm -hmm. them. So we've got introduced this theme of inequality, gross inequality, uh, within the wizarding community. Of oppression and um, enslavement, even as... The humor in the household where Harry lives depends on ethnic, cultural, national difference. Mm. And my thought there, <laughs> to bring it to a close, <laughs> mm -hmm. as if that wasn't enough, was that the Dursleys are the human version of the Death Eaters. That in the same way that the Death Eaters look at everyone who is not like them with disgust and disdain. That is the home that Harry has been raised in. Mm -hmm. Where the humans, I say humans, wizards are humans, yeah, the non-magical non humans that he lives and breathes with are similarly captivated by issues of difference mm -hmm. by which they can feel superior to others. I may be dramatically overreading that, but it just struck me that in the the chapter where the oppressions of the wizarding world are perhaps as thick as they have been in the canon, we've also got racially, ethnically based humor showing up. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because as you were describing that, you know, it made me think of another hero in the Harry Potter universe, Newt Scamander, and how in those books we still we still we similarly see 
a lot of wizards looking down upon magical creatures that are not wizards and how Dane, you know, stereotyping them. And in the movies of Fantastic Beasts Where to Find Them, the tension both between the non-magical humans and the American magical community that has segregated itself, right? One of the comments that Newt makes in the very beginning is that they do not allow intermagical uh, marriage mm. in the United States mm. while it is legal in um, mm. in the United Kingdom. And then um, Kowalski, one of the characters, um, the non-magical people that we meet in that movie, is very obviously not or sort of ethnically white, right? He's a, he's a he's a white character, but he's in a time and place in America when he would have been stereotyped because of his ethnicity, mm. right? It's kind mm. of vaguely mm-hmm. presented, but it's probably some kind of Eastern European, mm. um, Polish, Polish or, or yeah. something similar. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Polish. some mentions mm-hmm. to his mm. pierog- or to some kind of pastry. I forget if it's pierogies or what it is, but it, uh, that is to say, there there do seem to be these parallels between the the people that are the most open and considerate regarding non-human magical beings and also them being the most considerate toward just other other people in general regardless of their magical ability um and then the people that also like the death eaters draw these strong distinctions between classes, between magical and non-magical, are also the same ones who look most down upon non-human magical creatures. How much do we know about the Death Eaters, though, other than they are these soul suckers? Well, that's dementia. I'm thinking you said death eaters. For some reason, I'm thinking dementors. I mean, Trevor, what you're saying is. Very profound, but I'm like I, I failed to see. All they do is suck your soul. I, I failed to see how you can make no, a no. Arguably, death eaters and and dementors are on radically opposite sides of the spectrum, as we saw, right? Dementors, right. dementors are probably will, the most inclusive. That's if you've exactly got a soul, right. I will suck it. That's I don't right. Care what color <laughs> don't care. They don't magical, non-magical. Yeah. These horrific soul-flaying beasts are ready to just kill anything. When you started that comment, Matt, you were like, "How much do we really know about the Death Eaters?" And I'm sitting here thinking, a substantial I'm amount. <laughs> like it's 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 a preoccupation in many of the books. That's what I'm okay. thinking of. Yeah, that was worth the bonus time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just for that. Okay. Um, awesome. Who else had a well, thought? Well, my thought was still about Trevor's thing first. Um, I do think that your, your idea that the Dursleys are kind of a, a foil to the Death Eaters just is underscoring the fact that Dobby and Harry are such similar characters raised in these mm. really toxic environments mm. um, of, you know, 
racial superiority and and um, prejudice, hmm. but still with some sense of decency and and um, inclusion mm-hmm. somehow in their makeup, which is. And Harry in particular seems to go out of his way to not want to gain a following of people like Malfoy. He kind of chooses the uh, misfits. Yes. Like this little band of misfits. So it is kind of interesting. Yes. What just happened to you? I I actually think... I I mean, maybe fan theories have, have come up with this. It may be old hat for some of our devoted listeners. But I am beginning to be convinced over the course of this episode that Dobby is the elf Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he too dies protecting his friends. Mm -hmm. Spoilers. Listen. (laughs) We spoiled all the books so much. I said in Uh, episode one we were going to have spoilers. Hate to break it to you. Episode one is probably unavailable to most people. That's true. It's also though in the episode or the uh, the podcast description in iTunes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It may be a little late we do spoil things. <laughs> we talk about later books, but it's the only way even, to draw the themes yes. together. It's not just that his home life and his courage in the face of it, but also in his death. Mm-hmm. He dies for the sake of his friends. The only difference is we Dobby doesn't go to King King's Cross and talk to Dumbledore and have the option of coming back. Mm-hmm. There should be a fan fiction where someone writes Dobby coming back and talking to Harry at King's Cross. Ooh. I would read that. Ooh. Why don't you write it, Crystal? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I... Yeah, what if it had been Dobby explaining instead of Dumbledore at King's Cross? <laughs> I think it like, would have been a little bit less <laughs> profound. But, but, no, it would have been so profound. It would have been like, Harry, weren't you paying attention in book two when I told you? Right, right. That That's right. It was magic that I no said it was wizard. not he who must not be named. And then I sort of bugged my eyes out at you. Can you tell the difference when Dr. Like, bugs it? Right. Though? Clearly, I knew something you didn't. Oh, did you not get the yeah. hint? No, mm. I, I actually think... But it also does justice to Dobby's character. Mm. It does justice in the injustice that his parallels to Harry's life and plotline are so understated and easily overlooked in the course of the story. I don't know that I've ever I've ever mm. no, been confronted either. with that oh, man. until this moment tonight. In I mean, going on twenty years of. Yeah. Reading these books and thinking about it, that in so many ways, Dobby is the elf Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I love it. And that also makes it worth the bonus time. Yeah, you're welcome. But bonus not bonus. as worth it as Matt <laughs> <laughs> that okay. we were talking about to mention. And we do have two other things. Yes, All right. um, other things. I feel like Crystal's is going to be more interesting, so I'll put mine in the middle. Um, I just, it just occurred to me, how, what was the method that Dobby used to stop Harry's letters from reaching him? I, I thought that, I asked that same question earlier to myself. Okay. I didn't answer myself, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, let me know what you come up with. Do you often talk to yourself? Because. Regarding Harry Potter. Accio Accio is a a human wizard spell. Okay. And, and elf magic is different. 
Um, so, like, was it a stakeout? Is he, like, stopping owls from getting to Harry? <laughs> what? Well, Hence, he was in the bushes with the with the big eyes, mm-hmm. right? Oh. He had to be staking out, out because Harry but, saw him. How is but he spending he, so much yeah. time away from the Malfoy yeah, Manor, I though? Don't know. He can snap his fingers and tra- teleport. Yes, he well, can. Well, he can, but he doesn't know when owls are coming. Like, they're not regularly delivered like they are at Hogwarts. It's not like they come in the morning at breakfast. Yeah. And even that, at Hogwarts, they can come whenever they want. So, so what mm. is... Is is he using some form of elf magic to detect owls coming to Harry, or that's is a more he, likely scenario? Or is he like immediately getting letters transported to him? That I don't. I just, he has access to the Wizarding Post Office, and he just made a forwarding address. Right. Mm. <laughs> P.O. Box. I think Malfoy I think Manor. Some sort of combination of him being in the bushes, sort of doing creepy surveillance and also elf magic that we don't have information about gives us a plausible way of explaining how he can do that. Okay. Do we You seem deeply unsatisfied. I am. Do we otherwise see owls and elves working together at any point? Working together? You think that's what it (laughs) is? You think he made a deal with Errol? (laughs) Look. (laughs) Errol. I don't, I don't know if anything could communicate no. well enough with Errol, but I just in general, it seemed. It, I was. Just, I thought the question ought to be raised: Is okay. there, is there a way that perhaps these magical creatures, which I think these owls count as, because they're clearly not the same as normal, normal owls. owls, and house elves, they work. Do, do like do house elves often work with? These kind of birds, so it's not like like you know, a magical creature team up. Is that what you're talking about? Well, we're just like an approachability, you know. Like I don't, just like I don't a, see that. Trevor looks like he thinks differently, but I as I don't as know. if Hedwig is in on Dobby's plan to protect Harry, which may also be why Hedwig but will not will not eat the second half of Harry's dinner. But it wouldn't be up to Hedwig because these are letters coming from other yeah, people. Yeah, Hedwig cannot get out. He hasn't been able trapped. to fly this entire summer, right? Yeah, but, she's been in the cage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're talking about Death Eaters, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> I get my revenge. <laughs> Maybe Hedwig receives the letters? I don't, no, no, no. There's no saving that No, comment, there's though. no way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just... I I have no explanation for I it. I think you have to suspend your disbelief on that one. I guess so. Yeah, it's a plot device. Yeah. Or Hedwig is involved and you just don't <laughs> see it. It's very intricate. Okay, Crystal, what was yours? Mine is just a quick thing, so you pro- I probably should have gone in the middle. Oh. It was just an interesting thought. Um, I, f- I think it's interesting that she chose at the end of the chapter... Harry feeling like he was a caged animal in a zoo because those animals have generally been taken out of their natural habitat. And so he has been moved from his natural habitat, Hogwarts, with all his friends into this place where he's... The way he describes it, it gives me this visual of, like, animals in the zoo. And, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about animals in the zoo. He's, like, laying on a bed of straw, starving. And it's just so sad because you think about, like, animals taken out of their natural habitat do not thrive. Mm-hmm. And so Harry is unable to thrive in this environment with the Dursleys for multiple reasons. But also just because he's not where he belongs. 
And he's not going to unless somebody busts him out. Right. So we should go free all the zoo free animals. Free all the animals in the zoo. That's what I got from that. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I thought this was a segue to chapter three, not a version of environmental insurrection. But maybe that's where we took it. <laughs> Which may mean that, that now's the time to say, really this time, until our next episode, Mischief, Mischief Managed. managed.